and it's lights out for another episode of the Breaking the Chain podcast where we will discuss everything from the Italian Grand Prix. Here are some news stories off the track that have caught my eye over the past week. It's the end of an era for Formula 1 and for Williams as after selling the team to Doralton Capital last week, the Williams family have decided to step away from the sport for good, with Claire Williams stepping down as deputy team principal. Williams are the second most successful team behind Ferrari winning 9 constructors titles and paving the way for 7 drivers titles. Sir Frank Williams is the most successful team principal in F1 history. Williams was founded by Sir Frank and Patrick Head way back in 1977. It only took three years before the team tasted success with the first title double, Drivers and Constructors, in 1980, with the only Australian to ever win a driver's crown in the form of Alan Jones. On the A side, we can only imagine that if the cards had fallen differently for Mark Webber, if this would still be the case, and I guess there is still Ricardo. The following year, in 1981, Williams again took both championships with Nelson Piquet taking the driver's title. Next year, Keki Rosberg won the 1982 driver's title for Williams, but it would be four years before Williams tasted championship success again, winning the constructor's title in 1986. Again, the following year in 1987, Williams won the Constructors' Championship with Nelson Piquet also securing the Drivers' Championship for the team. But it was not then until 1992 when Williams won the Constructors' title and the Drivers' title again, this time with Nigel Mansell at the wheel, and Williams did the double again the following year, 1993, with Alain Prost. Williams did win the Constructors' Championship in 1994, but the season was not without its heartbreak for the team, as the late great Ayrton Senna was killed at Imola. After all the investigations into Senna's death put Williams and its car design in the clear, the team was back to its winning ways under happier circumstances in 1996, the team securing the constructor's title and the driver's title with Damon Hill. The success continued when 1997 again saw Williams take the championship double with Jacques Villeneuve winning the driver's title. Unfortunately, that's where the run of success ended. Williams has not won a constructor's title or a world championship since 1997 and have in recent years fell to the worst car on the grid. How did this happen? Well, perhaps it started in the early 2000s when BMW supplied engines to Williams starting in 2000. The relationship ultimately deteriorated in 2005 as BMW were hoping to win a world championship like Williams had done in the late 90s. But as all F1 fans know, the early 2000s were the era of Schumacher and Ferrari's domination of Formula 1 and BMW and Williams's title ambitions were frustrated as a result. But hopefully with the injection of money that Doralton Capital are going to put into the team, we will see them rise up the grid towards the front where they belong. Let's hear from Claire Williams on why she decided to step down from her role. Reading the press release, it's very clear this is your decision uh, to make. So could you have stayed on? What, what would have helped you to stay on? 
it was absolutely my decision and I'd like to make that really clear. Um, I love this team. I've always loved this team um, and I want to see it do well. But I think anyone, I hope, could understand that for me working for somebody else would be potentially enormously difficult. I've run this team as my team for seven years and you put blood and sweat and tears into something like I have for the time that I have, made the sacrifices, doing what I've done. This is a hard, hard business. I've given it my all. And I've done that because I've wanted to protect my family's legacy in this sport. I've done it because I'm my dad's daughter. And I felt almost it was my duty to do it, so to speak. And now that it's not ours, I don't feel that I could put the same amount of energy into it. And, you know, the past few years have been incredibly tough. They've taken an awful lot out of me. And if I'm honest, I think that probably Doralton needs somebody that has more energy than I've currently got. Um, somebody that is going to put in more than I can currently give it to take it forward. I wanted to achieve so much more um, in this sport. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened for me. But I can go out of it knowing that, you know, I've done a few good things in this job. I haven't got everything right, um, by all means, but I can go out, um, I think, hopefully with my head held up high. In perhaps a similar position as Williams of having to have a long memory to recall past glories, the team principal of Ferrari, Mattia Bonotto, has come out saying it could be years before Ferrari are back winning. You just can't ignore how Ferrari have dropped off the face of the earth in terms of pace this year. As I mentioned last week, F1 is a cruel and unforgiving sport. I hope the 2022 regulations can work in Ferrari's favour, because no one likes to see a team with so much history struggling like that. When is this story ever going to end with the Racing Point break ducks? Racing Point have dropped the appeal for the unfair fine and deduction of points. And as there will now be a rule brought in practically banning copying, Ferrari have also dropped its appeal about the leniency of Racing Point's punishment as well. Perhaps, although I doubt it, this even might be the very last time I mention Racing Point's brake ducks. In other news, Renault was set for a name change. Yes, another name change for the commentators to wrap their heads around for 2021. With Renault being renamed Alpine F1 team, with the team stepping away from the yellow and black colour scheme we have seen for the past couple of years to a blue, red and white colour scheme which are the colours of the French flag. Let's hope the association with such an iconic name in motorsport over the years rubs off on the team. And now before we get to the on-track action it's time for on this day in F1 history. In 1996 the great Michael Schumacher joined the scarlet colours of Ferrari. And on this day, in the same year, Michael won the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. It was also on this day in 1997 that BMW announced they would supply Williams with engines for 2000 for the next five years. As I talked about before, the first piece of On This Day news had a significant impact on the success or subsequent lack of the second section of today's segment, what might have been, good job BMW had a few other things to fall back on. Anyway, that's enough news and history for one week. Let's get bang up to date with the race weekend itself. Nothing much happened in the first two practice sessions of the weekend. And we had to wait until the third practice session before things got quite interesting. 
Track limits were a massive talking point all weekend and in FP3 we learned that the stewards had moved the sensors from the outside of the white line to the white line so that any drivers that went over the white line at the parabolica had their lap time deleted. There needs to be consistency with the track limits. You don't see the stewards changing the track limits at any other track after Friday practice. So why do it here? Yes, it was nice to see the white line actually getting used for the edge of the track instead of the curb, but they should have done that on Friday as well. The drivers also have to follow a minimum lap time on an outlap and charge laps of a 1 minute 43 to stop the excessive queuing seen in practice as drivers were having to avoid the car park on the back straight and on the lead up to quali laps at all circuits. Again, Daniel Ricciardo had a problem in the Renault with a fuel pump issue at the end of FP3. The team were able to get it fixed though for quali. So now on to quali. As we've seen, track limits came into play with Leclerc, Magnussen, Gasly, Stroll all getting lap times deleted at the Parabolica. And now one getting two of his lap times deleted at the Parabolica just for good measure. Sebastian Vettel got knocked out of quali in Q1 and his teammate Charles Leclerc got knocked out in Q2, making it the first time since 1984 that both Ferraris did not make Q3 at Monza. I bet they wish Michael Schumacher was still driving for them, although perhaps given their current car even Michael couldn't work the miracle they need. Carlos Sainz had his best qualifying with third, with McLaren having their best qualifying at Monza since 2012. Again, all of that was put into perspective as Lewis Hamilton set a new fastest lap in F1 history on his way to pole with a 1 minute 18.887. So finally, like after the long drag up the straight at the French Paul Ricard circuit, we reached the race itself. The start was clean with Lewis checking out in front and Bottas and Albon losing places. Albon collided with Gasly at turn one and this forced Albon onto the grass. McLaren were able to capitalise on Bottas having a poor start and were running second and third, which was the first time since Jensen Button and Kevin Magnussen back at Silverstone 2014. Yes, McLaren fans, that's six years ago. Sebastian Vettel had a brake issue on lap six of the Grand Prix and had to retire the car after first destroying some of those polystyrene bollards in the sort of movie stunt car chase sort of way. Very dramatic, but ultimately quite safe, although it was probably quite scary from inside the Ferrari. Alex Albon in the Red Bull then got a 5 second time penalty for not leaving a car's width to the edge of the track. This was deserved as if you don't leave a car's width, you are not being fair to other people around you. Kevin Magnussen retired from the race on lap 20 with a mechanical problem. Not significant in itself, but because of where he parked his car, the marshals then tried to push the car back into the pit lane. This in turn brought out the safety car and more importantly, temporarily closed the pit lane. Unfortunately, despite the pit lane being closed, Lewis Hamilton and Antonio Giovinazzi pitted even though there were red crosses flashing on the flagboard on the other side of the parabolica. Because of this, they both got 10 second stop-go penalties. 
Just five laps later, Charles Leclerc had a massive crash at the Parabolica. He just lost the back end in the middle of the corner and was sent straight into the barrier at high speed. This crash brought out the red flag, which was the first red flag at Monza since 1995. Interestingly, during the red flag period, Lewis actually went up to the stewards to tell them what had happened, highlighting that on the way into the pit lane, there was nothing to say that it was closed. It didn't do any good and after serving his penalty, Lewis was forced to race from the back to salvage what points he could. Whilst demonstrating, he's still the best on track by picking up the extra point for the fastest lap. Lewis' championship hopes were also given a boost as Max Verstappen in the Red Bull retired on lap 31 with an issue that the team saw on the power unit and told him to stop the car before it broke. So after a thrilling end to the Italian Grand Prix, Pierre Gasly was able to capitalise on Lewis's stop-go penalty and win the race for Alfa Tauri, just like Sebastian Vettel did all those years ago when they were Toro Rosso, but this time it was in the dry. Pierre, Formula 1 Grand Prix winner, how does that sound? <laughs> it sounds amazing, to be fair. <laughs> I, I struggle to, I struggle to realise what's happening, I know it's... It's been such a crazy ride in the last 18 months. And yeah, today we're an uh, Italian Grand Prix race winner. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank all the, all the people uh, who helped me to, to make that possible. And uh, I mean, it was unexpected. We just focused on ourselves the whole time since last year, improving day by day. And, and to have such an outcome in Italy uh, for an Italian team um, and also for myself, you know, I slept home all, all the weekend. I'm living 30 kilometers from here now. It feels almost like home and uh, yeah, it's my first F1 win is unbelievable. Is that the key to wins then? Stay at home? Probably, probably, yeah. You know, I should have moved earlier in, uh, in Milan. Um, now it's, it's crazy, I think. It was a difficult race, to be fair, because after the red flag, um, we had a good start, we, we moved to P2, but then after that, Carlos sending me down for I don't know how many laps, slowly closing, and we know when we're leading here, you don't get a toe, you're slower in the, slower in the straights. Um, I just gave everything I had, and the last few laps were difficult, I had no more tire left, they were completely gone, but I just kept pushing, and uh, yeah, the feeling when I crossed the line was, it's, I, I have no words to put on that. How nerve-wracking was it leading a Grand Prix? I felt good because the car was great, you know, I didn't have anyone in front of me, I could just focus on my own driving. I was in my own world, just trying to take one corner at a time and, and, and really nail everything, so... It just felt good, honestly, if I could be in that position more often, I would take that. Um, but yeah, obviously, when I cross the line, it's... I, I don't know what to say, honestly, it's, uh, it's just an amazing feeling. Carlos Sainz came home in an impressive second for McLaren. It was, it was very close. Uh, obviously, congrats to Pierre. Four tenths away from a first win is... Uh, it has to have a, a sweet and sour feeling, I guess, with this P2. Especially because today we were really, really quick. I mean, the way we managed to, to dominate the midfield in the first part of the race, then the safety car came out. And suddenly I knew Lewis had a penalty, or we, we will get a penalty, so I was virtually P1 on the race. Then the red flag came out, and you, I tell you, that was probably the angriest moment of my life, because I knew I was missing out on a, on a leading, potentially leading the race. Uh, but I, even with a used tire going through the field in the last few laps, was a good fun, and nearly catching Pierre, obviously, nearly, but uh, happy with that. And still your best result in Formula 1, so you've got to be happy, and the win's going to come, isn't it? I hope so. Uh, in the future, the first win will come. 
today I felt like we definitely earned it uh, with the pace we had. But, uh, you know, there's situations, there's ways that sometimes life goes that uh, doesn't want to happen. I, one thing I can tell you is that today I didn't leave anything on the table. I mean, I, you should have seen, like, I was pushing as hard as I could. And uh, I felt like I did the best I could to, to win the race today. And uh, I will be back home to sleep knowing that I didn't leave anything in the table. When you got that message from Tom to say no mistakes and you said I'm going for the win, you were having none, nothing else, were you? Of course, I had to. I mean, especially because I felt uh, uh, not robbed, but a bit like after a red flag, I felt like that should be me. And, uh, and I was catching, catching two tenths a lot, not a lot, especially because my tires were a bit used. So I couldn't use the, the new tire to, to exploit it. And I had to go through traffic and, and that wasted my tires a bit more. But I was uh, focused and I was determined to, to try and get in the DRS of Pierre and then battle it out. I just could in the last two laps, but I uh, didn't quite make it happen by very little. With Lance Stroll coming home in third and rounding up the podium for Racing Point. Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, ah, it was just a, a bad start, a bad second start. Uh, there was no grip on that uh, P2 box. Um, I had a lot of wheel spin, so I fell back to like sixth, I think it was, and then I just fought my way back to uh, third, and uh, yeah, it was a great effort. Um, I think the wind slipped away from us today, though. We had an opportunity to win it. it. Seemed like you had a great car underneath you, some great overtakes out there. Did you just feel alive out there? I felt uh, I had the pace, but Pierre drove a great race deserve the win today. And how much satisfaction can you take from a good result, hopefully for the rest of the season? We just got to keep pushing, keep pushing on. That's, uh, that's all we can do. If you picked the podium as Alpha Tauri, McLaren and Racing Point before the race, you clearly know more about Formula One than I ever will. What a race and what a result. We'll be in Italy again next week, but not for the Italian Grand Prix, but for another Italian Grand Prix. It will actually be the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello, and it will be interesting to see how the modern F1 cars do around that, as it's the first time F1 has raced at Mugello, and I can't wait to see if there are any surprises. Perhaps we'll see Tyrrell, Liger, and perhaps even Tolman on the podium. Who knows after this last weekend. And so we've reached the checkered flag. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Ari Vedecci, and I'll see you in Italy again next week.